Welcome everyone to episode two of Fanboy's Book Club. I'm your fanboy Eric. Uh, today we're going to be talking about two books, Mouse by Art Spiegelman, which is a graphic novel about the Holocaust, fun, and then Get Shorty by Elmore Leonard, which is a crime novel. Uh, if you don't already know, now you know, I am, I have a, a personal uh, something or whatever. I'm reading 50 of the greatest books of all time, uh, allegedly. And this is a personal thing for me. I wasn't much of a reader. Now I'm reading and I've become an avid reader and blah, blah, blah. And now I'm explaining the books that I've read and reviewing them, talking about the books and possibly whatever adaptations have been made into these books. And Frankly, a lot of these books, and most of these books, have been turned into a movie or, or whatnot. Uh, so let's get into our first one, which is uh, Mouse by Art Spiegelman. And don't forget to listen to the end, because I do have something important to discuss. The first book I'm going to review today is Mouse. That's M-A-U-S. So this is a graphic novel. And if anyone is unfamiliar with the term graphic novel, it's basically a comic book. The difference between a comic book and a graphic novel, uh, there's a few differences. Usually a graphic novel deals with more adult situations or mature situations. But it's also, it boils down to the format. For instance, The Watchmen, which is considered one of the best comic books of all time, is usually referred to as a graphic novel. This is false. It's not a graphic novel. Because The Watchmen came out as a 12-issue maxi-series, and it came out monthly in a typical comic book fashion, 32 pages or whatever the fuck it is, that's a comic book. Graphic novels are usually formatted and printed as a hardcover, or some sort of large, soft cover. These are not books that come out month to month, like typical comic books. They just come out in one volume. That is typically what a graphic novel is. First publication, or first time it was being published, as a hardcover, one volume, and one shot. That's really a graphic novel. Anything else in your typical, like, comic book fashion is really a comic book. So this is a graphic novel, and it was... It was tw- there was like two parts to it, but it was it's been collected into one book. There, were, there was a sequel, but both versions, both parts have been collected in one book from um, 1980 to 91. And then in 1992, it became the first graphic novel to win the Pulitzer. So this is not your typical comic. Uh, this is... This is real, like, hefty boy. Like, this really comes with accolades. So anyway, it is about the Holocaust. uh, During, you know, World War II, before World War II. And it's basically a depiction of... So it's, it's by Art Spiegelman. And Art Spiegelman, his father, was a Holocaust survivor. So basically it's a, re, a retelling or an autobiography a biography 
on Art's father as he survived the Holocaust. So, Art pretty much writes this, he draws this as him talking to his father. And his father tells stories about the Holocaust. And the the very interesting thing about this graphic novel, other than it's uh, than 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 what it's about, is the fact that the Jews are depicted as mice, the Nazis are depicted as cats, the Americans are depicted as dogs, and the Polish are direct uh, depicted as pigs. So. Art's father was living in Poland at the time, and so he gets, eventually he gets thrown into Auschwitz. And this is also more about Art's relationship with his father. So they don't really, you, they don't really get along. And Art's father is a certain kind of person. He's hard to live with is the word I'm looking for. He's uh, stubborn, pig-headed. Uh, he's living with a woman. And in the book, they're, they're constantly fighting. And they're not getting along. And Art's father is uh, much older. You know, I mean, this is supposed to take place in 1978. Uh, my birth year. And so Art's father's already, oh, he's already pretty old. And, uh, by the way, this takes place in New York as well. So, a lot of this story revolves around Spiegelman's, uh, Art's, uh, trouble, I said trouble relationship with his father. And also, the more that his father gets into the story, it's also supposed to be how difficult it is for Art to make this story. So, another thing is that Art's mother kills herself when he was a teenager and you're basically at like towards the end of the, the the story you get a sense that she was haunted by her past meaning she was haunted by being in the concentration camp so she, it came back and it, it killed her and the point is is that for a lot of the survivors getting out was only a part of it and that living with it was another struggle and we're supposed to see that art's father is an asshole maybe because that's how he survived that's how he dealt with the horrors that he saw and that he had to deal with and some people you know some people um deal with it differently it's very haunting to read. It's really disturbing. Disturbing because of what they had to go through while in a concentration camp. There's a lot of fucked up stories. Um, for a long time, Art's parents survived by just like hiding out. But then eventually they were caught and they were put into Auschwitz. Which is one of the more famous or infamous concentration camps. And... You know, obviously they were separated. Men were in one part of the camp, women were in the other part of the camp. And there's just a lot of really sad stories. Um, eventually, Art's father talks about their first child. So Art was not their first child. 
So they had a child in Poland right before they had to go, you know, like right before, uh, well, they they had a, a first kid in Poland before they went to the concentration camps. And somebody was willing to take the kid as like a safe spot. And I don't think they were a Jewish family. So they felt that they would be safe or they were farmers. And then, of course, the kid eventually dies. He's murdered before he can even go to a camp. And they have to hear about this while they're still hiding out from the Nazis. So it's this terrible choice that they had to make to separate themselves from the child and then to realize that that choice led to the death of their kid or the death of their son. It was horrible for them. And also this, this feeling of like, well, if they didn't go through that, he might have still been alive. You know, but then they have to think, well, he may not have survived the camps, but at least that would have been their choice. So he, um, oh, and the French, what are the French? The French are, I forgot what they are. There's something like birds or something. I'll figure it out. So Art, in the you know, he decides that he wants to make a book out of this. So he, or a comic book out of this. So, or an underground comic out of this. And he keeps going back to the father. And the father just tells more and more horrible fucking stories. Um, the The... It's frogs. The French are represented as frogs. So Art married a French woman who converted to Judaism. And so at one point he has trouble figuring out like how to depict her. Like she is French originally, but because she's a Jew now, does he depict her as a frog or a mouse? And he ends up depicting her as a mouse. So again, it's it's... Sometimes it's a struggle to read only because it's crazy how to think of like some of the things that have happened. There's one, there's one like they had his father talks about towards the end, his father talks about how they, they rushed him out of Auschwitz. Because the only thing is, is that they survived. See, because Art's father is a certain way, he thinks differently than some of the other Jews in Poland. So he manipulates and he makes deals and he saves a lot of his, the things that they had. Like he saves a lot of things that cost money, whether it be jewelry, he saves a lot of jewelry and he uses that little by little when he needs it to make deals to help survive with him and his wife. They start in a large group, but then they end up breaking off. A lot of those people get caught. And they just constantly miss getting caught. Because he's able to manipulate people. He's able to make deals. He's able to uh, barter. He's able to bargain. And because of that, they survive for like years. And then eventually, when they finally get caught, it's like closer to 1944. And... 
by that point, you know, it's closer to the end of the war. So even when he does get into the camp, he's not in the camp for very long, like maybe a year or two, a year, something like that, two tops probably. And because the war is winding down, the Germans start to get really, the Nazis start to get really paranoid. So they shove all the remaining Jews into trains. But they don't go anywhere. Like The trains travel for a little bit, but then they just sit there. And they sit there for days, for days. People are just standing in a crowded uh, train car. Where to the point where people die from exhaustion and uh, hunger. Because they're literally just standing there. And Art's father is a conniver. Art's father is a thinker. So he ends up able to shove himself in the corner of a train car. And he's able to sit. Not comfortably, but he's able to sit. And so that's how he survives in that particular moment. And... Every once in a while, the Nazis will open up the door and just take out the dead. And then he, you know, people are finally able to sit and get a little bit more comfortable. But, you know, still, they're still hanging out in this train car for days. And it's just really fucked up. And, like, you'll definitely learn things that you didn't know uh, about the Holocaust and, and what they did and how they died and all that shit. I mean, standing in a, a train car for days where people couldn't sit and people people were being trampled on too if they were collapsing or maybe they decided oh i'm just going to sit they were being trampled on by all these people because of how crowded it was and he used his or his father used his uh cleverness to survive and that's really how he does survive um so yeah i mean by the way uh it's all in black and white and it's done like Almost like a cartoon style, like a Sunday comics cartoon. You have like uh, whatever it was, nine panels on every page or whatnot. And again, it was very good. It's very haunting. Sometimes difficult to read, but I really think this is a necessary read. Um, let me tell you a little story. So I decided to read this. This was the third book I read. And I decided to read this because this is something I've always wanted to read. And one thing I didn't mention was when I decided to read these books, I got a library card. And I hadn't gotten a lot. I hadn't had a library card since I was like a teenager. And the one thing I didn't realize, you know, I'm living in New York, so this story is only really interesting for people who live in New York. The library systems are are split between the boroughs so like manhattan bronx and staten island they all share a library catalog brooklyn has its own library and queens has its own library so if you want to get books out of those different libraries you have to get three different cards i had to get a brooklyn card and a manhattan card and i was trying to find this mouse book and i tracked it down to manhattan so i was in manhattan i was about to uh check it out and this guy sees what I'm holding he sees what I'm holding and he says oh that book gave me nightmares when I read it I'm thinking what the fuck great (laughs) that's all I need and he's like it's a very very good book I was like I'm gonna have to check that out when you're done 
All right, creepy guy. You want to reread a book that gave you nightmares? To each their own, I guess. But I understood what he meant eventually because... Although it didn't give me nightmares because I'm an adult. It, uh... Again, it was it was haunting. I did read a... Excuse me, I did write a review about this. And... Let me get that review, because it's taking me forever. Uh, okay, so it's this was the third book. And I said this Pulitzer Prize-winning autobiographical graphic novel tells the story of Art and his father as he reflects and tells his adult son how he survived the Holocaust in Nazi-occupied Poland. This haunting tale about survival and how one... How when one is freed from the horrors of genocide, sometimes a piece of you stays behind, is at times daunting, at others eye-opening. The art is laid out like a comic strip, but there's nothing immature about it. Um, One thing I didn't say was the, the different groups. So, I mean, obviously, Jews were treated like vermin. And Jews were seen as vermin. And especially when... Nazis started um, grouping all the Jews together. They ran like vermin. The vermin. They ran like vermin and they hid like vermin. So obviously that and and also like the Nazis again. The Nazis saw them as beneath them a vermin. And then for cat for Nazis to be portrayed as cats, it just makes sense. The evolutionary step is like, well, if they're going to be mice, then the Nazis who were constantly trying to catch them, or metaphorically eat them, they make them cats. And I liked, I really liked how Americans were portrayed as dogs because they, when when Art's father gets freed, the Americans treat him pretty well. And they give him food and shelter and they're nice to him. And it just seems like the dogs, the personality of dogs of being loyal and also heroic is interesting. And I think in a way... Making the Americans dogs is a is like a good thing, but also not a good thing because it's like saying, "Well, you know, you're heroes and stuff," but at the same time, it's like jokingly saying, "You're heroes." I guess. So I found that to be interesting, though, that they were dogs. And then the Polish people, the Poles were uh, uh, that's derogatory. The Polish people were pigs. Because uh, one thing that Art's father tells him is that when the Nazis started looking for them, looking for Jews, the Polish people were very quick to point fingers and to say where they were and where they were hiding. And because it really showed a lot of racism that the pigs, most, most of the Polish people, were not happy about the Jews being in Poland to begin with. So this was just like, Good riddance, they're over here, you know. And so they were seen, they were portrayed as like nasty, gross, disgusting pigs. And then frogs, uh, French were frogs because they like eating frogs. Um, so I talk about that. Uh, this might be a term. So I said that making the people represented as anthropomorphic animals might be a turnoff for readers because. In a way, it makes it sound or it makes it seem cartoonish. But this choice is not meant to make the books look cartoonish, but rather they're powerful metaphors. This book is about father and son relationships. 
Finding strength against all odds and what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, yet fractured. So uh, I definitely say this is recommended and an essential reading. I gave it a 5 out of 5 and I still stand by that. I think it was a great book. And I think in some ways this book should be taught in school. Uh, Maybe not, you know, second grade, but something like high school or if even college. Because it really is a good book. And well, worth reading. And also, you know, uh, a history thing or whatever. Okay, so the second book we're going to be talking about today is Get Shorty. Which was published in 1990 by Elmore Leonard. So this isn't on any of the essential reads or any of that shit as far as I can remember. I personally wanted to read this. Uh, this was, uh, Get Shorty was turned into a movie in 1994, uh, 95, and then it was adapted with a certain, uh, Scientologist, and then it was adapted again into a TV show in 2017. I had been interested in Elmore Leonard because a lot of his books had been turned into movies. Uh, Get Shorty, Out of Sight, uh, Jackie Brown, and some of his earlier works, which were, he mostly focused on westerns. Also got turned into things like 310 to Yuma, and he did a few books later on that got turned into a TV show called Justified. So he was pretty much known for crime books and the premier crime novelist until he died, up until he died in 2013. So I was very interested in this book. Having never seen the movie, you know, just being more interested in, in what the book was like. So the book is about Chili Palmer, a... Um, a New Yorker who's working in Miami as a loan shark, you know, for the mob, small-time loan shark. He eventually switches gears, he switches um, careers, and wants to get into Hollywood as a producer. So it starts off pretty interesting that there's a guy who owned, owed money, and he died. Leo. Leo Leo was a, a, a dry cleaner and he owed money and then he died. But his wife tells Chili that he fakes his death. He f- faked his death. Faked his death for $300,000 $300, in insurance, life insurance. He had given a little money to the wife and then he skipped town. And so she tells Chili like he's not dead. So he follows the trail of breadcrumbs to Las Vegas and he ends up finding Leo. And Leo ends up giving him the money that he owes as long as he tells he doesn't tell anyone that he's not dead. So Chili's like, fine. So Chili uses the... He, because he's in Vegas, Chili then gambles the money and then loses. So now he's up Shit's Creek and his contacts in Vegas tell him about this other guy, Harry Zim, who's a horror movie uh, producer in L.A. And so Chili, you know, is like, hey, this guy owes us money. Why don't you go to L.A. and help us out and get the money from him? So he goes, and while he goes to Hollywood, he realizes that he doesn't want to be a loan shark anymore. And so he, or or mafia muscle, really. And so he uh, decides that he wants to be a movie producer. Now, the point of this book is, it's supposed to show the parallel between Hollywood and, and the crime world. 
and how both worlds are not very different and are similar in many ways. So, there's a screenplay that Leo, uh, excuse me, that uh, uh, Harry Zim is trying to make into a movie called Mr. Lovejoy. And this is a little bit different than what Harry Zim is known for. And so, Chili basically manipulates his way into the life. I mean, not even manipulates, more like just muscles his way into the life, because that's what he's known for doing. And he basically tells Harry, like, you don't have to give me the money as long as I become, like, an associate producer. <clears throat> so, a lot of the novel, he uses his, like, tools of the trade, you know, meaning mafia muscle, and his knowledge of movies, because Chili's also, a, like, a film buff. And he, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of threads going on in this book, but not enough to be confused. It's just a lot of deals are being made, a lot of hands into pies or pots or whatever, and, and a lot of shit going on. And a lot of trying to get this screenplay into a movie. But on top of that, you know, Chili's there to collect money, which he hasn't collected. And so now the mob guys back home are also on Chili's ass because Chili's not collecting. Plus, Chili has... You know, the, the book talks a, a bit about Chili's history. Like, Chili had been married, and that kind of fizzled out, and he so he had been single for a while, and he has this problem with this... Uh, this, uh, this, you know, this mafia guy who's kind of above Chili at this point. And, but before he became above Chili, they have like a little issue where Chili shot him. It's actually pretty, pretty interesting. That whole storyline between Chili and, and Ray. Uh, Ray is the, <clears throat> Ray is the mob guy. It's a pretty interesting storyline about their bad blood. And so now he's got Ray up his ass, and, and he's also, also, Harry is in so much debt to other people. And he had already promised other people to be, like, financing producers on this picture. So now, Chili's got to deal with that. I really did enjoy this book. Chili is a great character. There are characters you come across who exemplify cool like who are badasses who are who they don't change they don't react to what's coming at them meaning they don't react emotionally you know it's like shit's coming at them they're cool and collective they're calm and collective and they deal with those situations the only way they know how which is not overreacting and there's going to be a few books that I've read that have those kinds of characters. But this was one of the first ones that I read that Chili... Chili's a great character. He really is a great character. He's just... I mean, that's what, I think that's one of the reasons why his... Where he gets his nickname from, and Chili's a nickname, is he's just chill. He's chill all the time. You know, he thinks... He thinks he knows everything about... Ho- you know, I don't even know if he really thinks he knows everything about Hollywood. He's, like, w- willing to learn, you know? And it's like, Harry always says to him, like, well, you don't know this, and you don't know that. You don't know this about Hollywood. And he's like, I can learn, you know? I can learn, and I'll adapt, and I'll... I- I'm... You know, it's a, he's like a fish out of water. 
but is willing to learn how to breathe air. And he's good at it. He becomes very good at it. And he's very adaptive with it. So he becomes good at it very quickly. And that's his character. He uses his knowledge, uh, willingness to learn. And, you know, basically the end of the book is this these becomes the, the movie. Just I mean, he even like, it's so funny because he reads the script. And he's like, okay, Harry, I love this script. I'm going to be a part of it. And Harry's like, What? And you don't know anything about making movies. And he knows the script, though. The script is supposed to be more... You know, he ends up... And, like, he pitches Harry a... Uh, he pitches Harry a story, which is essentially his story. And he's like, I got this great script for you that you should make into a movie. And then he just talks about his life and everything that's happened to him. So, you know, in this Mr. Lovejoy script that keeps going around he wants to tweak it and all of his his insight to tweaking the script are are good they're 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 good and they're good comments and insights and critiques about because he's also coming from a viewer uh, a movie viewer standpoint or a, mu- a movie viewer point of view yeah. So anyway, it's it's um it's a good it's a good book and I've wanted to see the movie but you know, a Scientology boy in it. It's like hit or miss for me. But I'm still interested in seeing it. Uh, also the book really gives a good insight of how Hollywood really works. And there's a character who's like this big time movie star and he started off as like being in B movies, but now he's like this big, huge star, and Chili wants him in this movie, and the depi- the depiction of a Hollywood A list star is great. How fucking fake he is, and just how how pompous he is, and like he just doesn't really know what the fuck he's talking about, but everyone just yeses him. But because again, I think this book is supposed to tell you what Hollywood's really like. It's full of rats and thieves and murderers and two-faced pieces of shit. Uh, I did read, write, I did write a review about this. Uh, I wrote this crime novel centers around Chili Palmer, a Brooklyn transplant, and the loan shark currently living in Miami. Circumstances bring him to Hollywood, hot on the trail of two different deadbeats who owe money. Chili, a movie buff, gets enamored with the movie business and decides it's time for a career change. This book says a lot about Hollywood. Oh my god, I wrote all this shit. How it's just as dirty as any other hustle. Because it is, I mean, that's what Chili says. It's like, this is just another hustle. Uh, actors are vapid and flaky. The business is in a constant flux. And you don't, and if you don't evolve with it, you're out on your ass. Uh, you know, it's just like the, the movie star that they want for this movie is just very flaky and just total flip-flop and like again Chili's attitude about it is just like cool calm and collective and we'll adapt to it and that's that's a great you know that's what you need as a loan shark but that's a a, a great uh, character as well uh everyone living in LA dreams about making movies anyone with half a brain can make a movie again you know Chili's not stupid but he doesn't really know the ins and outs of the Hollywood movie business but he's still knows enough on what people would want to see. 
Uh, and who better to make a crime film than a criminal? The story is layered, at times convoluted, but no less interesting. Chili's a great character. He lives up to his name. And is a straight shooter who comes off as genuine in a world of fake, hollow people. Because that's, I think, also the point of the book is that sometimes you need an outsider looking from the outside to shake things up and to, to tell you that, like, this is what you're doing wrong. A fresh point of view, an outside point of view. You know, maybe a non-conformist to tell the conformed that they're doing wrong. That's hey, that's pretty good. Uh, all right, my water's boiling. Um, people. Elmore Leonard is a great writer who had plenty of his books turned into movies, and this is one of the more famous ones. I definitely recommend this and plan on reading more of Leonard's books. And you know, one of the things I haven't said about any of these books is that are they uh, rereadable? I would definitely reread this book. Definitely. It was a lot of fun. I gave it a 4 out of 5. You know, I would probably change that to a 4.5 out of 5. It was convoluted at times, but that would probably take half the point away. Uh, but other than that, it was a good book. I really enjoyed it. 4 out of 5. Okay, uh, water's boiling. And that will do it, folks, for this episode of Fanboys Book Club. Number 2 is in the books. Episode 2 is in the books, I should say. Next week... I will be talking about two books. Uh, one is Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. I've never read it. Uh, it was a f- actually, <laughs> I should say it was the first time I've read it. And it's very interesting. And then the next one is going to be Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, which is the first book in the Harry Potter series. Once again, first, first time I've ever read it. So let me take this time to thank you all for listening. And if anyone has any questions or books I should read, or uh, you want to tell me I'm wrong about anything, even though I'm right, just email me at the Gamerish email uh, email address, which I'm going to have to get back to you on what that is in a second. I did want to say something that uh, I've never talked about this on a podcast, and I don't usually tell people that I don't really know very well, but I, in fact have written a book and it is a crime detective story uh it's called champ and the first book uh, there will be a second book eventually but the first book is called champ the misanthrope of the year i wrote it um not that long ago and it is on amazon so you can put let's see i'm going to try this right now in real time if i put champ novel C-H-A-M-P novel. Of course, um, if you hear Champ novel at Amazon, guess what doesn't come up? My book. (laughs) But if you put, let's say if you put Champ novel in my name, E-R-I-K, let's see if that comes up. Boom, there it is. So just Google Champ, separate word novel, separate word my name, E-R-I-K, and the misanthrope of the year comes up. Don't have to buy it. Just telling you that I wrote a book. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, just putting it out there. I think it's uh, it's fitting that I'm talking about books. And here I wrote a book. So that's that. And now let's get back to the email address that I so conveniently forgot about. Uh, but again, um, if you... Want to support? I appreciate it. If not, that's fine. 
just letting out there that I did write a book, and I am currently writing the second one. Oh, joy. And that email is gamerish537 at gmail.com. Email me. Tell me I suck. Tell me I'm great. Uh, tell me what books I should read. Uh, spoiler alert, I probably won't read them. No, I'm kidding. I will read anything you suggest as long as it's not smutty. Or if it's not smutty enough. <laughs> Alright, thanks for uh, listening. And next week, Frankenstein and Harry Potter. Later. Oh, uh, keep reaching for the stars and uh, share your and reading is fundamental. Yeah, that's it.